0: All right.
1: Welcome to Radio Free Deimos, an Ix and Draconis fan podcast broadcasting from ASF Hall at Lake Voltaire on Deimos. Demos, so close to home, but not really. Tonight's episode is host chatter. So before we get started tonight, I'd like to say hello to the hosts. Uh, with me tonight are Ashtar and Wines, and I'm Corbeau. So guys, since we're talking mostly about biz and the economy, I'd like to ask you what your first job was.
2: Well, in an agricultural station, it's very important to have meat, meat that doesn't talk to you, that's OK to eat. And that means lots of manure. And someone has to keep that system going. You know, I've been wondering what direction you're going to take that so many times during that one sentence alone and It's not the female hyenas. Let me just tell you that. Fair enough. On the bright side, it's an entirely separate system from the sewage system used by the vectors on the station. The downside is still massive quantities of. So I've been reading The Wizard of
1: Oz again lately, and I'm wondering if someone has to predetermine which one are the talking cows and which ones are the non talking cows. But let's just not go down that road.
2: Mm.
1: They're all non talking
2: cows until they start talking. No witnesses. <laughs> well, 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 like Toto, they the, the retcon, the fact that Toto d- didn't speak early on is that he had nothing to say. Well, he wasn't edible. <laughs> right. Says you.
1: Can we just move on? (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. I worked my way through college as a live model for an anatomical textbook, which is kind of fun. You can see every single bone.
0: So, Mm. good money. Oddly related, my first job was um, gristle cleanup at a body chop shop. General surgeries, in and out. I cleaned up. Once you've seen a vector from the inside out, they're not so mysterious anymore. (laughs) Do body chop chop shops sell jerky as a side? I was not part or parcel of any
1: of that. (laughs) So I'm thinking there'd be a musical about this industry to be chummies. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. How can any race be so stupid? Ah, don't ask me any questions.
2: I'm just a hard hand just like you.
1: This week's questions and opinions, which is kind of like questions and answers, but we really don't have any answers, just arguments, was suggested by Vogel on the Ixundraconis Discord channel. Vogel and a lot of other people went back and forth on the subject of what would the game, I guess it's a game, what would the game Monopoly be like in 2750? This is a very involved conversation. Uh, Some Mm. people were floating like little planets instead of uh, streets, but... I think you can go beyond
2: that. I'm assuming it'd be like that mall game where you, where you had a little plastic credit card you had to push into a thing in the center. Yeah, but it just reads your mind.
1: and <laughs> tells you what you want to think. I'm kind of imagining every single space you move, you start accruing money, but it goes away at pretty much the same speed because everything charges you rent.
2: I assume you can still be an iron. Ironically, you can't be a dog. Ironically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you be an iron tar? I'm going to be the buzzkill and say no such thing exists. The original creator of Monopoly created the game as a way to introduce uh, the younger public to the dangers of Monopoly. Ideally, nobody would ever win and everybody would hate themselves. This is not a game that the corporations would ever allow to exist. No, because you want commerce to be fun.
1: Commerce is fun. In my experience, the Monopoly game just exists to end friendships. (laughs) Okay, so we can play up that. Commerce is fun. Everybody gets lots of play money that has no value. And hotels just pop up constantly. You can't do anything about them. Corp towns. Do corp towns figure on the board, or is that like each side, or is the entire thing? I guess historically the entire thing would be in one city state. So just a Marsco corp town where everything is nice little identical blocks. It fits the board pretty well.
0: Mm. Well, nowadays you have themed monopolies for absolutely every theme company place or whatever that you can imagine true i like the venus
1: theme one but there's only like four spaces on the board <laughs> and no railroads but they're
0: constantly building more
1: another question that came up in the aks channel and i can't remember off the top of my head who suggested it i'll link to that in the show notes was how do we treat mental illness and depression in the in the World of Soul, the world of soul Uh there's a strong program to take care of medical problems. Progenitus has various panimmunity drugs and has successfully cured cancer. Anything that doesn't move lightning fast can't really make a dent in the vector population. So the physical side of well-being is taken care of. Your base needs are pretty much guaranteed to be met, but there's not a lot of coverage as to how they handle the Mental, spiritual side of well-being. Nanites. Little brain bugs. Wait, those are different. Those are different. Mm. There's some hints that maybe they're not very good at it. The only thing I can see that comes really close to it is the way vector society handles end-of-life issues, which is to encourage people to go on a massive spending spree before basically kicking the bucket. They're very keen on spending money in a hurry in a big way. So shopping therapy would presumably be...
0: Out there and available as an option so i mean trying to tread a little bit carefully with this issue because mental illness is not something that is completely understood at this time i think it really depends on how much becomes a chemical component as opposed to more of a purely mental construct if you were to wear that divider lies, because if we are talking purely brain chemistry, there's no reason that that would not be included in the panimmunity cures that have already been created. And we don't have a lot of examples of vectors that have gone on psychotic rampages.
1: The Jack the Ripper trope is not played at all in the books.
2: Well, Since they have creatures from beyond to do that even more so. True, true.
0: Except with Vitae. Vitae monsters are absolutely Jack the Ripper style. Okay, sure. Or at least the monstrous, psychotic, sociopath style.
1: The origin of the Jack the Ripper trope is when humans started massively overpopulating cities, and it's kind of the the monstrous version of the alien other. So yeah, I mean, we have monsters from beyond that can fill that void. It's possible that in a society as heavily surveilled as vector society is and goes, that trope just wouldn't play very well, or not for long.
0: Or it would persist and redouble as it doesn't matter how much surveillance, awareness, and cameras you have, the outsider that is never caught on them is still a trope.
1: Mm. There's
0: a lot of kind of hints of
1: instability and abnormal behavior in some of the racial templates, particularly the birds. They have a reputation for being a little off the deep end. But who cares
0: because they're birds? Okay, that's fair. At least they're not other birds. Well, we don't, yeah. (laughs) Cats also have a bit of a reputation for being a little bit out there, a little bit erratic. Uh, Birds have the reputation for being very snappy. If we circle back to what the original question was, you can also take a look at that from more of an economic standpoint. If you have a depressed vector, chances are that depressed vector is not going to be out shopping, doing things, spending money. Um, Let me tell you how depression works for me. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I max out credit cards. Well, that would be the type that they would have an economic incentive to encourage. Mm-hmm. The more the the more personal shutdown, the more wake up do nothing all day, go back to sleep, depression mm-hmm. does not support and there is a strong economic pressure to quote unquote fix that. And if you can shoot the vector full of Drugs that make their mood happy and excited and outgoing all day, as long as the money that they're spending exceeds the cost of the drugs, uh, that makes economic sense to a corporation.
1: Counter argument, and this is something I'm going to bring up in and talk about economy later on, is that the social safety net in vector society is pretty strong. From what we've seen in the color text that was in extended around page 170 or so, you can go completely out of the workforce and still survive. You're never going to run absolutely out of money because the ledger is there to kind of keep you just barely alive. And it seems like the society that's proposed in Ixundraconis particularly in a Marsco town, won't let you starve. It won't let you go hungry. It won't let you lose your house. It's just easier to keep you at this kind of marginal level than it is to let you really drop off the face of the earth and and end it. Do you remember... The Japanese word, I can't remember it, for the people that just kind of lock themselves and they separate from society entirely, like serious neurotic introverts and just hide away. Yeah, that. That. Okay. Social hermits only more so? Yeah. There, there's a word for it. We saw a documentary about it. But you could easily go entirely off social space and social radar and just hole up in your room and never, never come out. And you uh-huh. have the Internet. You have all the Internet you want and presumably some sort of food substance or food-like product. I don't see that someone that decides to lop themselves out of society ever has any reason to come back.
0: They might just end up living a life that was invisible. And if you take a look at the material and economic cost of that life versus someone who, say more modernly, has no safety net and goes out and basically deteriorates, then requires a massive amount of health care or legal care. Yeah, ambulance trips, police attention. That costs far more in the long run than providing them the minimum to subsist and just exit from society. Mm -hmm. That same scenario can be played out by moving instead of hiding in your room to relocating to a hot zone or relocating to like a, maybe a spyglass corp town where the economic transfer is not such a core part of Corp living.
1: One thing I've learned about hot zones in recent discussions is that you don't move to hot zones. They move to you.
0: You don't move to tornadoes. Tornadoes move to you, but that doesn't stop plenty of people from chasing them. I'm not moving to Kansas. (laughs) Toto, Toto.
2: Imagining mother sending her kids out to play in the uh, corporate war. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't
1: think we can say that the canon books have any real way of addressing mental health. Presumably Progenitus has some plans in place. They're very keen on welfare and being uplifting and positive and sing songs. But this is something that isn't really addressed in the books meaningfully. And I kind of feel that it's something that the Vector Society is not really equipped to handle, generally speaking. I mean, imagine trying to deal with depression if you live in a
2: pulse corp town. (laughs) Well, it would be a very loud depression from some dirt in it. My my first thought would just be cut it down to in the context of a role playing game. How is this relevant? I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but uh, it's if you want to have it be an aspect of your of a character, then that could be relevant. Although you don't want to play a character who shoves himself inside and won't go anywhere because (laughs) you're Mr. Left at home. That's not very interesting. Or... For people that you're encountering or helping out or villains, villains can be people with mental issues, certainly.
0: It becomes a little bit more relevant from a world building experience and Uh, from kind of an internally consistent experience. For example, if you don't have homeless because everybody could simply live in their house, then you don't necessarily have beggars, beggar contacts, the the street sure. eyes network, sure. the common thieves guild. Hmm. They become more advanced. They're more the velvet dagger instead of the dirty beggar. Uh-huh. If you don't have mental illnesses, you'll probably never have any sort of setting that takes place in a mental hospital or a mental ward. You're rationale for the scientists doing weird things maybe should not be well he's a mad scientist no uh-huh. we can we can hold on to that one <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely hold on to the mad scientist trope
0: it adjusts believability and
1: internal consistency of the world that you build uh-huh. and it may be something that has happened to your character in the past something they're recovering from or something a loved one is i mean pcs tend to have npc associates or background characters or before the campaign began characters
2: so you're saying instead of recruiting an army of beggars to collect intelligence for you, instead you're, you're offering in-game game items to a bunch
0: of World of Warcraft players to troll the internet for you? To be fair, which do you think would have a better response rate? I yeah, mean, if you've, yeah. the, if you've got the swag for the Warcraft guys, they'll, they'll move the world for you. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Going back to the COG episode, I feel like the COGs had a stronger sense of family and community. There was a really neat episode of This American Life, I think, on NPR, where they had a therapist from New York that was suffering from depression. And I'm going to go on a big old circle on this one. And he couldn't escape from it, but he would write about various treatments. And he went to Africa and found this small village where they had this one elaborate therapy method for dealing with depression type issues, where they'd put someone in a, in a ritual purification setting for a while and then. A bunch of people would come and pray over him. Then he'd go and get either a goat and sacrifice it as part of a ceremony. Then everybody would come and eat the goat and a huge party. And the therapeutic value of having everybody be concerned about you for a few days and then having a huge party with some pretty good goat Hmm. was really powerful. More powerful than some of his own weapons as a therapist. I feel like cogs have... The sense of a stronger grounding in family and community and that probably would strengthen them against some forms of mental illness or at least give them a better way to deal with it. But that's a stereotype drawn from very little canon text, just kind of some vague mood elements of their descriptions.
0: Cogs are all one big happy family because they were coded that way.
2: <laughs> and then there's the cyber phoenix, uh, cyber kitsunes. No. Who don't care if you're an engineer. They don't care if all you want to do is talk about that one Fox character in that one anime forever, forever. Just talking about the, the the therapist story. I was remembering another story that they were telling about a a woman who would get, she's saying she'd get depressed every holiday. And so she'd kind of sit around the kitchen depressed and make tons of tons of cheesecakes. So she finally went to a therapist and the therapist kind of said, you know, well, you need to work out these issues, not just, you know, stay at home and make cheesecakes. And she said, Oh, have a cheesecake. (laughs) And she says that, Years later, she she was feeling a lot better and she got a call from her therapist saying, you know, I'm glad things are working better for you, but those are really good cheesecakes. If you make any more, I'd sure like one. (laughs) In a less silly vein. I mean, one potential nice thing is that different species of well, the, the different vectors are more similar to each other than the animals that they're based on. But. You know, if if you're ever feeling lonely, then, you know, hey, talk to your social animal friends. You know, they're probably always there for you. They, they don't mind having people around. Likewise, if you want some quiet in your life, go hang out with that badger. Yeah, that's true. If you're feeling lonely or morose, uh,
1: find the otter in your life and go
2: on a tour of town with him. Yeah, yeah. And that could be kind of handy or kind of irritating if, if that's, that otter is your significant other and you just need your personal space sometimes. You're like, damn you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, imagine, yeah, like the antisocial animals like foxes, fox bars, <laughs> all just sitting in dark corners. It's not that different from the goth scene. That's true. That's true.
0: Boy, how can anything that big height for so long a time? Yeah. I wonder what their next move
1: will be. So the latest news from the world of Ix and Draconis, the miniatures are armed and fully functional and up online, and you can take a tour of them and go through all of the features that have been added from the last Kickstarter. People are starting to receive their goods, and they actually look pretty good. I'm usually a miniature denier, but these are, these are pretty fun. You're saying they're fully functional. I, I am, I am saying they're fully functional. Okay. Uh, pretty. Yes. Yeah, I, I am saying that hmm. some of the are correct. At least there's, there's one torso that is rating warning. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, is that part also modular? <laughs> I hope not. I think there's a song about that somewhere. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you can swap it out and there's one version of the torso that doesn't contain, um, uh, desert eagle 44 millimeter pistol between his legs (laughs) (laughs) that might be meant to be the female i don't know but um or it may just be kind of the generic kind of sexless look that a lot of little action figures have the rage nowadays i don't i'm not not up with these kids fads anymore clearly there's a lot of different tars um some of them really work strangely with the full torso that you have as an upright character Finally, they added a computer. Uh, We don't have the... A computer? uh, Yeah, they added a computer like the Crash Suite. Oh, a handheld computer. Yeah, it's a a chunky, oversized laptop, which actually doesn't really fit the world that well, because I think most people have toggle cases these days. That's the workhorse computer. Uh But for those of us that don't want to be wielding a gun or a sword or a bow or something like that, no, there's actually a fairly nice very computer looking computer the left hand's holding it and the right hand is in a dramatic typing posture. i want to be wielding a writ of evident domain. You have to paint that in. Mm -hmm. Really fine brush you can mismatch your wings because your arms are modular so you can have one arm and one wing should you choose to. You probably shouldn't Hmm. lots of different poses for your lateral character Uh, cats and dogs, male and female lizards, all sorts of things like that. Uh, I mentioned nagas, they're kind of scary looking Huh? Yeah, it's a a pretty big set of options, and it's been greatly expanded. There are no hairless dogs, unfortunately, but there are earless dogs, which has got many of the same letters. Hyenas? There are many hyena options. Actually, the hyena face is really appealing. I I like it a lot. Cool. It's got amiable ears and a slightly dopey expression, (laughs) which is the hyena expression I've come to know and love. Also common. Yeah, yeah, that's what you get. So, yeah, check those out. You can accessorize them to a pretty wide variety of characters. The look is still kind of predominantly military, which is neither here nor there. But uh, kind of the sad fact of the situation is that expanding the line is going to be an expensive proposition. And like so many game things, the bulk of the production is kind of on the Kickstarter side of things. And then afterwards, maybe there's a tail, maybe not.
0: I mean, there are tails, but maybe there's like a purchase tail. The main use of the miniatures is going to be in the combat simulation and the map. So having them in combat gear makes a little bit of sense. True. I want my Glitterati miniatures, though. I think part of this is that I just want to have fun
1: animal people miniatures that look like the people in my head. Will <laughs> <laughs> so the
2: Glitterati be sparkle dogs? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Mm. The dogs will sparkle. The clothes will sparkle. It's all sparkly. Printed in a hologram plastic. Why well, not you get that
1: iridescent paint? True, true. time in each man's life but he can't even believe his own eyes well after your description i don't think i'd want to see it either wrapping up this week's episode of radio free demos i'd like to take a moment to ask the hosts what they think is awesome this week in various news streams relating to the world of fuzzy animals space sci-fi rpgs and other tangently relevant topics
2: one thing I'm thinking of is that recently they tracked down some some sort of government leak because of the watermark that the printers put into pages that are printed on that printer. So they're able to, to, to trace a copy of, it, copy of it back to which government office, which printer in that government office was it printed on this is even taking it through like the electronic version, like a scan or. Yeah, it was a scan of the document. And by looking at the scan very carefully, they're able to to read this, this dot code and just, just imagine where everything is made custom. You could really make things extremely identifiable. I mean, I think also in the real world, I, I, I don't know if, if they use it, but I've, I've heard about tagging explosives by putting tiny little grains of coded. I don't know what in it. So, when an explosive is used, they can track it back to, okay, this was sold by this company at this date. Maybe find out who used it if that's a problem. But if you wanted to tag 3D printed objects of whatever sort, you really could. You very easily could. So, that. <laughs> we'll live in fear. I think even young vectors are printed with barcodes on their butts. <laughs> Is only kind of tangentially relevant, but there, there's a, a science fiction story in which every police officer would carry around an ID card, which is just a business card with a very particular color. What they do is they show you that, and then they show you this little genetically engineered light mounted in the back of their neck. It's, it's this little thing that just grows on your body. It consumes your blood and radiates a certain color of light. That color of light is keyed to... Your biology Your makeup So even if you cut If you killed Officer Zane And cut out His little ID thing And put it in your body It wouldn't be the same color Because your blood Doesn't taste the same Interesting huh Huh Also involves Things lighting up So I like it
1: Right 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 This is like the
0: uh, Good and evil diode In the back of Certain (laughs) supervillains necks. I'm starting to wonder Why bioluminescence Isn't more common In vectors Yeah (laughs) Because it's really Annoying (laughs) You clash
1: with everything. what's the refresh rate on that? (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of news on the astronomy front this, really this entire month. But one thing that stands out for me is the recent, like, June 4th, 5th-ish discovery or analysis of a crater on top of Mount Sharp on Mars... The Curiosity probe is rolling around there and it's done some digging and drilling. And it's found that the sediment in this crater and this sediment like deposited by water and river and flows over time has nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, carbon and really all of the components of life.
2: Yeah, there's evidence that it had been wet for quite some time. There wasn't water there anymore, but there had been water for yeah, and part of this is
1: is theorizing that Mars has cold, dry spells and hot, wet spells, and right now it's in a cold, dry spell, which will
0: uh. probably stay there because its atmosphere has evaporated. All the carbon emissions too from the Curiosity rover <laughs> <Yes>. rolling around, <laughs> emitting greenhouse gases. Maybe they shouldn't have made it diesel. <laughs> Martian warming. <laughs> It's really hard to separate
1: out the sensational news because a lot of people are saying, "Well, life discovered on Mars, which always happens when they have this kind of topic where journalists can misinterpret it. So there's just, frankly, not a lot of of information, period, about it, at least on the internets. But it's still an exciting story from a strictly Martian science perspective.
2: Do you see the one about them spotting the creation of a black hole? No. They're looking over some um, some astronomical observations over time and they're seeing some places where like a supernova kind of goes poof but then disappears very quickly yeah they call
1: it a failed supernova
2: yeah yeah it just kind of abruptly faded
1: out when its core imploded yeah that was really neat I did see that one I mean I saw that article
2: (laughs) I was watching it was awesome oh my gosh yeah three (laughs)
1: o'clock I had it timed I got it on I got it on Hulu
2: (laughs) You have to use a, a real long exposure for those black holes. <laughs> but, yeah, I think spot, they spotted, like, more than one of that kind of event at this point now that they know what they're looking for. So, again,
0: live in fear. <laughs> I suppose it's not sensational, but I was in a, not quite argument, but debate over uh, who could possibly own the moon recently. And doing some digging into that, the UN actually has quite a few treaties around that very discussion and around... Uh, who owns space, who is allowed to operate in space, how to deal with different um, governmental actors and non-governmental actors in space, and just basically how humanity deals with space. So a lot of that information is out there, and we've already got a lot of the framework laid out. The answer is no one owns the moon, by the way.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: What about the flags that are
2: left on the moon? Are they fair game? Oh, the collectible value has got to be really high on
1: that one.
0: Any object in space is under the jurisdiction and ownership of the governmental agency that spent, sent it into space.
2: Okay. Have we already talked
0: about Mall World?
1: I think, like early on, we talked about Mall World. No, I like not, that not in a while. I like that book. It's silly. So, in Mall World, which, as it sounds like, is a book about this space station that's layers and layers and layers of mall built on top of itself. It really plays out a lot like uh, Bobos in terms of environments, just a place where structure on structure on structure and the further down you go, the more criminal and strange it becomes. There's no subject in this sentence that I'm working with, so I'll stop it now. But uh, in... Like the 20th century, some guy wins a lottery and instead of choosing the like five million dollar prize, he picks ownership of a certain band of space, which at the time nobody thought anybody would go to and there would be anything there anyway because it's empty space. But as it turns out, there's this floating space station. So his family becomes the richest people in the world as they expand and take over this this floating mall. It's a really fun book. It's kind of an anthology series with lots of little tiny bits of very distant future strangeness. Some post-human elements like uh, dealing with body modifications, bad taste, a coprokinetic kinetic sculpture, the search for the meaning of life, which involves finding a dictionary and someone who can read. Huh. It's a kind of a cynical, silly, distant future. But there's some elements that actually kind of pick up on the post-human world of HSD just a bit.
0: The infinite space mall. Of course.
1: Yes. Well, that's what I thought of when I was thinking
2: of <laughs> the Olympus Mall Shopping Center. In the context of the late, you know, the late 21st century, how come we haven't we really seen people talking about the scenario of the post-apocalyptic mall? Because all credit and monetary systems have broken down in the apocalypse. Now, I'm referring not to a, a general apocalypse, but the apocalypse contained inside of the malls.
1: Oh, like a mall apocalypse? Is yes, that happening now? The, 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 the failed malls. I mean, you go in there; they're like barren hallways with like f- tacky
0: dresses rolling slowly down the halls. Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely happening now. And this is maybe a bit of a boring story, but uh, U.S. and U.K. retail space is way overleveraged, and everywhere on the retail area is looking at a massive recession or crash of retail space.
1: There's the junk mail apocalypse that was proposed in uh, Motel of the Mysteries, where the entire economy was based on mailings, and they finally collapsed and covered the entire planet in a thick (laughs) thick layer of unwanted postage.
0: The uh, mall zombie apocalypse is always more interesting to me.
1: And Douglas Adams had the shoe store event horizon. (laughs) <laughs> where after a certain point, the only business that was viable was a shoe store because you would look around and see how profitable they are. And so economies collapsed because they would inevitably devolve into shoe sales.
2: Hmm. If they're not wiped out by an improperly
0: sanitized phone first. That's the one. Or evolve into a population that has no feet. That'd be difficult. Because <laughs> <laughs> feet. It's a feet <laughs> joke. Never mind.
1: One non-news article that was kind of fun was on Gizmodo where they had a fluff piece on sex in space and why you shouldn't. Uh, This turned up on my phone and I had to read it on on the drive to work danger. It it boils down to it wouldn't be much fun because of several different reasons. One of the big ones was that blood tends to rush to the extremities and away from the core, which isn't much fun for guys. And it's not. Very helpful for girls, uh, safety straps tend to chafe horribly, low gravity, and the every action has an equal opposite reaction makes certain body motions just really absurd because you'd be bouncing away from people a lot and the the really disgusting element of sweat does not run away, it doesn't wick away, it just pools on your skin, mm. which just sounds really horrible. So, they recommend bringing a sleeping bag with you with some Velcro straps, and that'll make it at least possible, but probably not much fun. And it doesn't really matter because space tends to kill people's libidos anyway.
2: I'm going to quote uh, Mr. Mick Sterling Thong and say, <laughs> Do werewolves sweat?
0: I got that reference. No, I got it too. It's
2: just,
0: <laughs> is it, what was the actual quote? I have a question about Wolfstronaut,
1: actually. I was just reading this, and uh, I was wondering, how is it that a werewolf can survive in the vacuum of space?
0: Is
2: asphyxiation silver? I guess not. But yeah, the pooling of sweat may not be as much of a problem, but the the halo of blobs of saliva around a a canine's face. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad enough in the real world.
0: That's
1: true. Vectors might not sweat. They have all that fur, but
2: Uh, it was um, Larry Niven in in his series purports by whatever magical technology uh, that people get used to sleep fields, which are some sort of, again, he doesn't explain how it works, but I think it kind of levitates people and you can kind of program it to keep the people Generally in the same area Or to have If they want to sleep separately It'll keep them from Bumping into each other mm-hmm. So it has kind of A self-correcting factor You, you could do that you could, If you don't have Magical force fields Maybe with with jets of air Or mooring cables <laughs> I guess it also depends If on. you ever really want To feel like a blimp Beep <laughs> Beep <laughs> All the humanity It's the Macy's Day Fox <laughs>
1: Ultimately, Exidraconis is a wish-fulfillment fantasy with trappings of dystopian future. Utopian future. We're not going to have that discussion, (laughs) are we? Can we we wait 15 minutes on that? So I suspect that because it's a known fact that Vector's bodies adjust to low gravity and high gravity, they call it grav soup, probably their sex drives would compensate. But I still think the... Oh, their sex drives compensate. Yeah, yeah. I think the equal and opposite reaction would still lead to some great comedy scenes if the Game Master wanted to go down that road or down that hall or
2: down that airlock. Wasn't there a toy in the 60s called a sit-and-spin? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, there was. It was a children's toy. (laughs) The YouTube advertisement's probably still in the Galactic Archive somewhere. Sit-and-spin, sit-and-spin, kids just love to sit-and-spin. They join in, they join in,
2: spin and with fit and spin. All in line, all in line, running around and feeling fine. Kids just
1: love to spin and spin. Okay, on that <laughs> note, <laughs> on that note, I'm shutting off this recording, so yeah. thank you very much. Y'all y'all go away and catch the outro line good night intro music is future club and outro music is chronicles both by serious beat this podcast is copyright 2017 by radio free demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification check out our website radiofreedemos.com that's d-e-i-m-o-s For more rambling, resources, links to official and Vandervan content, and our full catalog of episodes, and look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.